0: Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 6 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled, The Bride Revealed. Our teacher is Alan Smith. We'll pick back up again this morning on As in the Days of Noah. And um, I have a, uh, I really do have a lot of material I'd like to cover this morning. <laughs> Seems like I get myself bogged down in areas and I, uh, I would like to cover a good bit of material if possible and also the a lot of these things you won't be able to get the notes on I'm just, I'll have I'll have it there but it's more of a reference but if you go back online or on the video or whatever you can go there just stop it and write down any notes that you uh, perhaps would want as far as some uh, references if I'm moving too quickly so as we begin here today, as in the days of Noah, there is so much happening so fast. It's like, I mean, as, then as I'm studying, trying to kind of teach it line upon line, it's just that the prophetic uh, future historical data uh, equaling future understanding is moving so quickly now that it's just, I'm like, I don't know where to plug in and plug out and It's just like it's happening as in the days of Noah. It's happening so quickly around us that um, I get on rabbit trails pretty quickly just trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Not that I know that I can, but I sure do like to attempt. Now, this is kind of our scripture uh, that this whole teaching is based off of. But as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be in Matthew 24, 37. So we see that there is a, uh, there's, there's, you know, pre, technically there's three main segments in the scriptures. You can do it a lot of different ways, but on this particular topic, you got pre-flood, you got post-flood, and then you've got uh, the tribulation, second coming of Christ. You got these three periods of time that are distinct, uh, they, they actually don't have a lot in common, to be honest with you. Pre-flood doesn't have, all of that was wiped out, the face of the earth, what things looked like, people, um, crossbreeding of Nephilim with, with uh, human. We had this, that was pre-flood. The days of Noah, this is, this is a, a different time on the earth, a different setting. Uh, God was revealing truth. Did you know God's still revealing truth? God's still revealing truth. And you say so all down through the ages, God's been revealing truth. Now his his word, we we now have it, but um pre-the-the the canon as we now have it, you basically had Old Testament books. And so you but we had three kind of basic time: pre-flood, now, uh, ages to come. Uh, the tribulation period, millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. And so we see these thousand year segments. And, uh, and just like I said before, not a lot of them have a, the face of the earth, the planet looks different each time. It's like it changes. Uh, and we know that this next uh, change will be with fire, the Bible says. And uh, so with that in mind, we're looking at this coming of the Son of Man. Now the bridegroom comes for his bride. If for his bride, if you uh, kept up with the teachings up to this point, I explained what the uh, kind of what the bride of Christ uh, is looking like. What the bride of Christ is now waiting uh, in waiting, if you will, uh, for uh, the groom. Now it says this in 1 Thessalonians, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, just take this particular scripture which I used last week. Give it, give it a little bit of a, uh, we all got preconceived ideas or what it already says, so we don't even read it. And we think, well, okay, it's talking about the great catching away. Well, just think about it this way. What if this scripture is speaking about uh, uh, when the bridegroom comes for the bride? It's, it's, a, it's a setting. Uh, so we can get all of our theological brain stuff out of the way for a moment just understand, this is this is the the groom for coming for his bride. Is what this is. Now, the bride shall see the bridegroom. This is, and we went over that last week just a little. First John, beloved, now are the sons of God. Uh, are we the sons of God? And yet, uh, yet appear with what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him um, as he is. So, this understanding is that the that the bride is now seeing the bridegroom. The bridegroom, bridegroom, the groom appears, and the bride gets to, to put eyeballs uh, here on, on the groom. And then there's a, a completion of our transformation that's taken place at that time. And we need to understand that we are in a transformation process now. What is the purpose? Uh, we, there again, we want to see what what is... It says you must be born again, and it says we're transformed. What What is the purpose of being transformed? The purpose of being transformed is so you can see Jesus. Now you saw Jesus or had a witness of Jesus the day you got born again. But did you know He gets clearer and clearer and clearer? He becomes more clear, you see. So we can see Him. Why, why do we come to church? Why are we doing all this stuff? Well, well the idea is that to we, as, as we are being transformed with the renewing of our mind, our mind is being transformed so we can see Jesus. In other words, you turn on the news, it's obvious there's not many believers that are reporters because they don't report anything God's doing. Right? Have you noticed they, they don't report anything God's doing. So, so it's up to the church, it's up, it's up to us to, to have eyes to see Him. And to if, if you don't have eyes to see him, this is a very depressing place, <laughs> a very depressing world. And 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 so, what is our counterbalance? Our counterbalance to the world that we see is that we are developing eyes to see him, to see what God's doing behind the scenes, see what God's doing uh, in the lives of people. I was talking to someone yesterday, and it's so amazing to me how, you know, uh, just we picked partic- uh, picked a person. That God has in us in our conversation, we were viewing this person being transformed, and and uh, and I've been through part of the processes of the transformation. All of, I, I say part. I was a witness. That's about all I contributed. But at least I got to see the transformation of an individual uh, through through the years. And I'm like, this is just awesome. This is unbelievable. And then if you try to tell somebody that, uh, that this person was transformed, it's like it loses its punch or something. It's like I can't communicate what I witnessed. Right, that's good. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And then you tell it to somebody and they're sitting there like, you know, uh, I'm like, you don't get it. You don't, you don't. But the truth is they didn't see the transformation. That's right. You see, I saw the transformation and it blows me away. I have no theology for it. I just have a witnessing of it. I can't explain it. It happened. And and to me, that's the difference in psychology and and, and Christianity. You see, psychology gives you a reason that you have this human behavior. Christianity, God says, I'm going to transform you. You see. Let's, let's forget a lot of these words. Let's just go into the transform, transformation. And what forced me, I was more in the psychological uh, in my 20s and 30s realm, but what forced me into my, more of my supernatural uh, realm was one good case of cancer. That'll cure you quickly. And, and, and so God totally transformed me against my will. That, that, that's true. That is very true. Totally against my will. He transformed me, put me in situations I didn't want to be in. And and I did not have time to reason it out in my brain. I was running out of time. So God says, yeah, that's right. So let's do it the supernatural way. He did the supernatural way. Saved me a lot of study. Saved me a lot of time. God just did it. You see. And that's the difference in transformation and trying to to use our own. I'm not saying we don't use our intellect, but your intellect will not get you to heaven or it won't even get you to first base, just to be honest with you. It'll get you a good grade in school. Which I am not too familiar with, which you can you can tell. Um, now the the bride prepares for the uh, imminent return of the groom. This is very important. Now the the intimate means that nothing else has to happen for it to happen. That, that's that's what that means. And that is in scripture and understanding in Paul's writings at all. I can't tell you how important that one. It seems like a little phrase. It's more than a than a phrase. That is a theological understanding. It's it's a it's a Hermeneutical law of understanding Scripture, if you will, it it, it is it's huge in understanding that uh, in in Christ the the comparison of the body of Christ with the bride of Christ was done so on purpose, uh, so that we would not wonder uh, uh, about what's going on there. So you got this uh, this imminent a Return of the groom and intimate means nothing needs to, to precede his coming. And it's in Philippians 3 For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I threw that in there is we, I have I'm not looking at the bride, at the groom today, but I can still talk to him. Wow. That's a wow. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not seeing him yet. And, and physically, I'm not seeing him as in his coming for the bride. But I can, I, can, I can go ahead and talk to him. Uh, that's another thing in this day that we want to look at a little closer here. Titus is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Let me move on here. Now, expectancy, I went over that a little bit last week, is a spiritual key that unlocks uh, New Testament. Believers were to live their lives with a moment-by-moment moment expectancy of seeing the Lord in the clouds. So, if we, and I went over that some last week, that the expectancy is what sets the spiritual atmosphere for anybody's life or any gathering of believers. It is, it's that expectancy. Uh, expectancy is embracing truth is what it is. It, so to expect truth at any moment, that's the reason imminent is so important, that the groom could come at any moment. That's that truth has got to be seated in us and don't let anybody blow smoke at you. Uh, uh, And what I mean by that is nobody knows when he's coming, but that also means nobody knows when he's coming. (laughs) All right. So now first Thessalonians says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, I want to do a little something here, prophecy versus mystery. So you got, we got got a Bible here, and, and we say it has an Old and a New Testament. And that's true. It has an Old and a New Testament. Now, I want to make another division in your Bible, prophecy and mystery. Some of it's mystery, some of it's a mystery, and some of it's prophecy. Prophecy is something that's been prophesied. So prophecy has been foretold. A mystery means it's a secret. Some translations have mystery, some... Translations have uh, the word secret. So some things in this Bible is prophecy and some of it's mystery. Now I'm going to throw this in there. Some of prophecy is still a mystery. <laughs> lest you be confused. So so God has this thing about him that He he's secretive. He'll let you know what he wants you to know when you need to know it. Anybody notice that? So I didn't, I didn't go in great desperation because I got a revelation of the supernatural side of God. I didn't get too upset of that because I knew there was in his timing that he did it. Evidently I was rebelling a little, but yet he still helped me jump that fence. Expectancy. And prophecy versus mystery. Just, just let that division be there for a little bit. Now, prophecy is about second coming. Mystery is about mystery, or about, or about secret. So the second, we got the second coming of Christ. So just get these two things in your brain a little bit: second coming of Christ, and you got mystery. Now, uh, prophecy. I'm going to call this the beginning of sorrows. This is in prophecy. Uh, the- did you know the devil knows prophecy? Yeah. He knows he knows the Bible better than any of us sitting in here. But he didn't know the secret. He didn't know mystery because the mystery wasn't uh, revealed, nor was it written down at that time that Satan entered Judas. Uh, Iscariot, and and he betrayed Christ, right? Well, well, Satan, the reason he entered Judas was he knew that Jesus Christ was that king that was prophesied about. So, so Satan entered Judas said, I'm going to get to kill the king. And he betrayed him. Sure enough, he hung on the cross. But what he didn't know was that the blood of Christ was the atonement of all sin. Do you really think that Satan would have entered Judas had he known that? That's what we call a mystery or a secret. That's the secret. You see, God didn't have to kill Christ. Satan shot himself between the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something. He pulled his own trigger. That's right. And and he didn't even know it until after it was done. Does he have the revelation of the cross now? Yes, he does. It's been written. (laughs) He has that revelation now. Now, what I'm waiting on is for the church to get it. (laughs) <laughs> that's, where, that's where we waiteth as the bride. We're, we're waiting to get it, uh, uh, this revelation of the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ as the atonement of all sin. We know it, but we don't firmly believe it. Now, I'm going to show you how this works. Beginning of sorrows, Matthew 24, 6 through 8. And, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and ye sh- uh, shall not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for the nations to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, and it's true, pestilence, earthquakes, and divers places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. So we have what we're calling the beginning of sorrows. I believe we've been in the beginning of sorrows for up to 2,000 years now. And that keeps getting us a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. So this beginning of sorrows uh, has begun. But now that's prophecy. That was foretold. Now it was also foretold for us to be a watcher. So as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, we're watching for two things. We're, we're watching for His appearing in the clouds, and we are watching for this stuff that builds up before His second coming. Right? We're watching for two. So the Scriptures, you're, you're watching for the, uh, the, the evidence of the second coming of Christ, and you're, you're watching for His appearing in the air because there's no evidence when He's going to appear. You, you, you don't have a one thing to do, and that's just watch. Just sit around and, and watch. And with a great expectation, He could appear just at any moment. Second coming of Christ has got warnings. It's got His Scriptures. It's got says These things will happen before He returns. So it's just there again, it's two, it's, it's, it's two appearings, it's two coming here. Now, Matthew twenty five thirteen says, watch, therefore, for you uh, know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh, the referring to is in prophecy. That is the second coming of Christ. Uh, where are we? Uh, we are to be ready. Said, Luke said this, uh, be ye therefore ready also for the son of man cometh at an hour when you think not. Prophecy. Now this is speaking about the second coming. I'm hitting these scriptures quickly. That's the reason I refer. You can go back online, get the video if you want to write down some of these. In Daniel 2, uh, 44 through 45, and in the days of these kings uh, shall the God of uh, heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be uh, left to other people. Uh, but it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, and the silver. You remember the statue in Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel got the revelation, and he's saying what is happening here. Uh, but this, when you, you got to understand that dream, in Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel gave the interpretation, was also has covered a, t- a span, a time period now of, of thousands of years. Uh, God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation uh, there are uh, is sure. So that scripture of prophecy is applicable to the days of Noah. Where where we are now. It is showing that Jesus is going to come again. He's the rock, and He's going to destroy all these other kingdoms, and He's going to set up His kingdom uh, to rule and reign. So that's the prophecy about the second coming. It also says, and we'll go New Testament, Acts 1, 9 through 11, and when He had spoken these things, while they beheld that uh, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, Why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you in heaven, shall also come again in like manner as ye have seen him go in heaven. So here we see that he's going away and that it says that he will there come again. Now that's again talking about prophecy of Daniel. When you look at the book of Daniel, you use Daniel and you use the book of Revelation. I'm sure you've all heard that. So when you look at the book of Daniel, that prophecy is an interpretation of these dreams and Daniel had this bad habit of praying all the time, and when he did that, God spoke to him all the time. And so, um, as we continue to get more revelation uh, on prayer, and when Jesus said that I want my house to be a house of prayer, what that was to what that's supposed to transaction there is we're praying that His kingdom come, and then guess what? The, the King speaks. <laughs> he speaks. There. So prayer is a totally a, a two way conversation. So to go to God with a shopping list is okay, but understand that uh, now He wants to reply to that the shopping list. Every time we pray, God tends to want to speak to us also. So now in the second coming, uh, I want to show you just, now this is some scripture. You'll just have, you can't get all the scripture. I just wanted to uh, authenticate it uh, in scripture. The second coming is in Acts 3, Daniel, Zachariah, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Mark, Uh, Luke 21, Jude 14, Revelation 1-7, Revelation 19, Revelation 22. Now, there again, uh, those will be up. But you can go back and get them if you're interested in those references. So these are all about the second coming of Christ. Now being called up's got a few scriptures in John 14, 1 Corinthians, Thessalonians, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, Philippians 3, Colossians 3:4, 3, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, James, and Revelation 2:25, and Revelation 3:10. So we see here. That these are references to the being called up event. So there's there's all, there's references for, for both events. And when you read them and you see them, you're like, well, yeah, this is this is pretty obvious. So now I'm gonna do this, I'm to do some comparisons quickly. The second coming of Christ comes in two phases. Again, all right, the second coming of Christ. Oh, okay, well. Second, but understand it comes in two phases. One, he doesn't touch the earth; he comes in the clouds. The next one, he touches the earth, and and, and that one's at the end of the tribulation period. So how? So I'm not looking for that one. I'm looking for the um, the other one. So now you, we got called up. We got second coming. So these these are the now there again. As I'm teaching this, you test what I say. That's the reason I give all these other scripture. Uh, you test what I say, and let's let's just look at it. Because I only want you to receive that, that the Holy Spirit quickens to your heart. That's, all, that's the only thing we're in, all interested in. So we have the second coming of Christ comes in two phases, is called up and second coming. The called up is translation of believers, the second coming. There's no, uh, there's no trans, translation involved. Uh, translated saints go to heaven, translated saints return to the earth. Um, I mean, we have to go away because we're the ones that's coming back with him. You get that? Uh, so you got to go to come. Is, is if you start think processing it through, you're like, oh yeah, okay. Um, the earth is not judged, and the earth is judged. It's, it's, it's different things going on. Now, imminent, any moment, follows predicted signs. Not in the Old Testament. Predicted in the Old Testament, called up as for believers only. Uh, second coming affects all, all men on the whole earth. So there is two totally different things happening. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, this is before the day of wrath, and this concludes the day of wrath. Second coming of Christ comes at the end of the seven year tribulation period, and it concludes the day of wrath. You see, it's it's, it's over. Seven years is done. Jesus comes back. He's gonna, he's gonna take care of business. Is what he's gonna do. We're coming into this other, these two type events, one, of course, called up other than second coming. Now, the, the first events has no reference, basically, of Satan. We're looking, this is a bride uh, versus and waited on the groom. It's, this is the scenario. This is the situation, which, which doesn't have a lot to do with, um, gosh, there, but there's so many shadows. There's so many types in Old Testament. Uh, all, right, all right, let's do an obvious one. Three Hebrew children, they went through what? Fiery furnace. furnace. Where was Daniel? Did Daniel go through it? Okay, I'm going to let you figure it out. Here we have two events. No reference to Satan. Second coming, Satan's bound. You're caught up, he comes for his own. He comes for his own. Same thing. Caught up, he comes in the air. Second coming, he comes to the earth. Caught up, he claims his bride. Uh, second coming, he comes there again with his bride. And so you got to understand, is, uh, nobody disputes th- that the bride of Christ is coming back to rule and reign, uh, but, but you got to go before you can come there again. Uh, he only sees his own. Uh, his own only see him. Every eye so she see him. So when this catching away takes place, the only ones that are going to see him are, are his, is, his, is his bride. But you got to understand that the second coming, the whole world's going to see. see. Right? So, uh, and that's the reason a lot of people say that scripture is so conflicting. It did not You just got to put it. You got to see where it goes. Uh, right. And so here, called up, the great tribulation begins, and the second coming, the millennial reign begins. There again, two different times. Uh, now Jesus gives us four uh, gives four of his disciples a heads up on his return. I guess you could say he's. He's giving His disciples here a a briefing of what's going to happen here. It's Peter, James, uh, John, Andrew. uh, Then it's in Matthew 24. And then this is something interesting. It's nice to know, uh, Mark 13. Uh, uh, it's, It's actually, Mark is a scribe of Mark. But technically, if you don't get completely technical about it, it's really Peter's gospel. But we, uh, anyway, that didn't cost you anything there. All right, Luke twenty-four. We got these. We got these scriptures right here. He basically he briefed Peter, James, John, Andrew, and then we see this in twenty-four and twenty-five, Mark thirteen, and Luke twenty-one. Now, this is a. All of these are a reference to Daniel nine. Now, if you want to. Go in deeper than that. Just go ahead. Right there it is. Just go. You can start seeing those references with Daniel 9. And there again, this is not my main point this morning, so I'm going to move move on. I've just got to show you that. Now, Daniel 9 uh, is basically, 9.24, is a, it's an overview of the end times. Uh, it's, it, it gives uh, this illusion. It gives us this idea of this king, the Savior, coming to take care of the sins you got sixty-nine weeks of uh, Daniel, and that's in Daniel nine. If you want to understand prophecy, understand the last four uh, verses of Daniel nine. That's basically what an end time uh, understanding. So, if you want to do more study or whatever, that's where you go to. Uh, then you got the interval. What's called uh, in twenty-six, you got the, uh, the, this leader, Messiah is crucified, uh, Jews, Jerusalem's destroyed. Now. Between the 69th and, and seventy, you got seventy weeks here. I, I'm not going to go into all that, but you got seventy weeks, and then you got sixty nine weeks, and and then there's an interval between sixty nine and seventy. Seventy of the week is tribulation period, but we know that we we run up through sixty nine. But now we know we're in an interval. If you go into Daniel, talking about end times, there's, there's there was an interruption or a, what's called a an interval, uh, I've mentioned to you parentheses when you're studying book of Revelation. Um, uh, for some reason, God does his secrets this way. He, 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 he's carried on with this. You know how it is. You write a, a line, and it's like, oh, I want to insert this thought. And you have a parentheses, and you put in a thought parentheses. Then you continue on with your, with your line. And, that, and God does that. And you watch the parentheses. You, you watch the intervals. You, see, the prophetic eye develops to see it. And once you start seeing God's, God, all of a sudden you're reading Scripture, yada, 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 and then all of a sudden, why well, don't make any sense. Where did that come from? Well, for some reason, God does this thing. He does the secrets. He's hidden them that way in the Word. He's got what we call a parentheses or an interval that He inserts something. And you see, that's what you got to understand. The body of Christ, the, the bride of Christ is a parentheses. We're inserted into a prophetic program, if you will where God's got this prophetic program, the devil knew it, and yada, 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 yada. And then God had this secret about the blood of Christ, he told him, and all things, I'm bing, shoots, shoots it right in the middle there. And then all of a sudden, he's got this whole day of grace. He's, God says, I want to show my grace and mercy to the earth. And you're like, well, God, what about your people and all that? He said, "Well, I send them some blindness. I don't want them to see it yet because I'm going to reveal to people this secret part of my heart of who I am with grace, and I'm going to have this group of people, and 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 they're they're going to be Jew and Gentiles." He said, "I'm not even going to call them none of that. They're just going to be my people. I'm going to call them my bride." And he goes through that thing. He said, "Then I'm going to be the groom, and I'm going to come get my bride. Going to take them back with me." And then parentheses is over. Now we're going to start right back where we where we left off. Now you say, well, God, why, why are you doing that? There's a reason he's doing that. And he says, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit because it'll take that before you'll understand what I'm doing. So that, that's what happens in between the 69th, 70th week. It's very interesting if you want to ever study that. Uh, 70th week is tribulation, Daniel 27, the future seven year period of great tribulation had to be postponed until the completion of the day of grace. The church age, we call it. The 70th week in Daniel's prophecy has already been postponed for nearly 2,000 years. So to, to me, for us to to embrace the parentheses, the secret God had is huge. Yeah, it's, it's just a big deal. You see, people are wanting to go back and, and be a Jew. I, 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 that's, I, I, my hat's off to you, but why would you want to give up the grace to be a Jew? I, I, that's what I don't understand. I understand there's a lot of truth in feast days. And I'm not bunking all that. That's God. Uh, but I'm just saying, For to you can say you're a Jew if you want to, as far as you're being grafted into the promises of God. That's fine. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to understand you're a special people for a special time. The earth hasn't got to experience the grace of God like us. And, and I don't think we appreciate it. I don't think we know how good we got it. You can sin, get forgiveness today, and be right with God again in five minutes. That's a big deal. It's, it's, it's a huge deal, and the, that's the reason I don't like for it to. A lot of people say, "Alan, are you against the nation Israel?" I'm all for the nation Israel, but uh, but I am really f- uh, for the bride of Christ, the day of grace of God, that he that he that I have found myself living in. Now, now, all of this other Bible and stuff tells us about the characteristics that are, that are in God. You know, uh, God's wrath, you take God off a little bit. I'm telling you, when He stomps the coffee table, they, the, the stuff flies. He, 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 he does. So, but don't mistaken His grace for not having wrath. We are in a day of grace. We need to rejoice and get all done we can get done. And when we mess up, oh God, I mess. See, see, my prayer to God was, "All right, God, I'm going forward, and I'm going to trust you to guide me." Which means I'm not always going to be on the path, but it uh, it gives me uh, tremendous joy to know He'll put me back on the path. That's right. That's right. That's just so I don't worry about. I mean, if I didn't have that understanding, I couldn't teach or preach or do anything. I'd be so worried that I was misrepresenting God that I just couldn't stand it. So I have this understanding with God, this deal with God. God, if I'm on the wrong path, I'm trusting you to correct me. And then not only that, dear God, if I'm saying anything I shouldn't say, I'm trusting your Holy Spirit and your people that they'll throw it on the ground. And and that's where I walk and that's where I run. So you want to run some more? Let's go. The The Great Tribulation, now let's look at it. It's defined by Jesus. In a quote, Daniel 12. Now, Jesus refers back to this in Matthew 24. For then shall the great tribulation, such as was since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So here we see that he's referring back uh, to Daniel, just showing that Jesus uh, was clued in. Now, we call it the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, uh, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since the world of the nation, even to that same time. Now, this is prophecy. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found uh, written in the book. So he's, he's... He's looking forward to this day of trouble. It's also called Jacob's trouble. Alas for that great day, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, for he shall be saved out of it. This is where I've been wanting to get to. All right. Now, this is the parable of the marriage feast because we got this prophecy thing going on, this mystery thing going on. We got the nation Israel going on, we got the bride of Christ going on. And, uh, I call Matthew 23, uh, 22 the three invitations. Now here, here's what happens if you, and this week I'd love for you for you to study Matthew twenty two, and let's look at it. because what Matthew twenty two does, it takes your it takes basically your New, New Testament and divides it in three sections. You know that's to me is interesting. So we got and the way he the the scripture the revelation of the scripture is that there again it compares. Know this to the church or to the bride. Now, recognizing distinctions of imitation. I, I talked here a good while back. I did this huge thing on, on, on uh, being able to make distinctions. I think I also mentioned that we're in a world today that distinctions are being blurred, you see. And, and that is a move by, this, by the dark side of Satan himself. Is to, he wants to do away with distinctions. There's this distinction between male and female. Uh, good and evil, right and wrong. Those are, it's important that we, now there's a difference to say, okay, uh, this is wrong, but I'm going to give it uh, forgiveness and grace. That's. But you still have to have the distinction before you can apply the grace. I mean, you try to get set free from, from drugs, alcohol or anything and not admit you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, you can get forgiveness, but you got to have a confession. Uh, and so, there's a a lot of people think, well, if well let's just try to, oh, it gets me frustrated <laughs> sometimes. We, we, we think if we can talk people in to Christ, that they're converted. They're not converted. You got their brain in, but you didn't get their soul, you see. So why are we a people about the Spirit? Because without the Spirit, nobody's getting in. You take it. This is, this is a spiritual uh, invitation. So we have got three invitations here. Uh, now in Matthew twenty-one, one and two, if you want to turn your Bibles, or you can read it here. Uh, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, "The kingdom of heaven." You see that? The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So here we got a king. Uh, now there, I mean, Jesus is really he's really bearing in here. He's saying the kingdom of heaven. Watch that. It's like unto a king had a marriage for his son. Now we know the son is Jesus. So who's the king? It'd be God. It'd be the father. So the father is having a marriage for his son. And then that's where this, so this is the opening setting of, of Matthew 22. There's a father having a marriage uh, for his son. There again, the comparison is to the wedding. And, uh, Then he goes on. Here's the first invitation. Actually, it's in Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and said unto them, again by the parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like to a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them uh, that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. So the first invitation, I told you, it's going to divide your New Testament up in three three invitations. First invitation is made by John the Baptist. Right? And so this, this is it right here. John the Baptist had his first invitation. He, uh, he he made the bid. There was a few came, but as far as the nation Israel, they didn't come. They, they they reject the message. Listen, John the Baptist lost his head over it. He was passing out wedding invitations and lost his head over it. I think you could be safe and say it was rejected. Right. That's That's what a true... You can the ultimate rejection is you lost your head. So, so, so they this is the first invitation. John the Baptist went out, made this declaration, inviting people into the, into the wedding. That was John the Baptist. Now let's look at this. The second invitation is Matthew 22: four. Again, he sent forth other servants, it says, saying, "Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner." My oxens and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they had light, made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, uh, another to his merchandise. All right, where's that division? Where's the second invitation? It's done by the disciples of Christ, right? John the Baptist loses his head. The disciples, then they go out, and, and not only did they give it before Christ, uh, 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 the cross of Christ, but also they gave it after the cross of Christ. And the message of the, 12, the the disciples now, you got to understand, the disciples, this is going to get me, I know. The disciples at early of the invitation, early on, did not have the revelation of the blood atonement of Christ. That's right. They just didn't have it yet. So Peter in Acts 3 went out and 4 gave a murder indictment unto the nation of Israel. He said, y'all killed the king. But you killed the king. Now, if you'll repent of it, he's going to send him back. Second invitation. So they send out that invitation. They's all killed. If anybody's planning on getting married, don't take their invitations for them. Let them send their own invitations. <laughs> this is a sure sign it's a risky business to give out invitations. And and um, especially if the marriage goes bad. So here's the second invitation. They gave this invitation. And and t- basically it was rejected. Uh, Jesus, he was telling about here's what's going to happen. Now I have people tell me, say, well, Alan, I don't think uh, Jesus knew about the rapture of the church. And I say, well, he, uh, I just, dis- I disagree. And 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 so so that was given to the disciples. And, and John 1, 11 says this: He came into his own, and his own received him not. So we know second invitation was rejected. All right. Now there's a parentheses. Uh, after the second invitation, here's here it is again. You got two invitations. You got the wedding feast, and, but there's something happened after the second invitation. It's Matthew twenty two six or seven, and the remnant took his servants and entered and treated them spitefully and slew them. In other words, they, the, the disciples were taken. They were killed, uh, slew them. But when the king heard of it, uh, when when God the Father heard of it, he was mad. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. We know that happened in 70 AD with Titus. So you got to understand something. God was right upset when they rejected. And then we get into Romans, and Paul says uh, they were blinded. Uh, See, God was ticked. So he said, Well, the heck with you. I'm going to blind you so your time. Is not now. I just took it away from you to receive Jesus as your Messiah. So he sent Titus through their Roman and destroyed Jerusalem, just like Jesus had predicted, all the stones. So he did all that, just as he said, right, here's the parable. The king got angry. He sent an army in. He sent forth his armies, destroyed the murderers, and burned up their city. I would say that father was ticked off that the first two invitations were that people didn't take them up on it. Now, I want to tell you something about the Day of Grace. If you've been invited in, you best get in. That's right. Come on. Now, let's look at it here. The wedding is ready, but the original guest rejected it after being invited twice. So he invited them twice, Matthew 22, 8 9. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Third invitation, the wedding is ready. you got to understand, God the Father got very upset at the first two rejections of His invitation. He was so upset, He blinded the nation Israel. He said, I'm going to show you all something, a secret I had hidden the whole time anyway. Then He said this, The mystery, the church, the secret wedding guest... That's us. Here's what he said in Matthew 22. Go ye therefore. This was after that. He got mad, sent an army in, destroyed the city. Then he made this declaration. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together. All as as many were found, both bad and good. And the wedding feast, uh, it says, was furnished with guests. Now, do you all see that? Does anybody up there understand that you're the good and the bad and the ugly? Right. Does anybody get it? That's right. This is the day of the good, bad, and ugly. Come on. And you've been invited. God said, well, I'll show you something that's down in my heart. I'm going to show grace on everybody in the highways and edges. That's right. You bunch of stuck-up whatever's. I'm going to show you I'm going to have a big party. I'm going to have a big guest list. And they're all going to come in. The only thing he asks us to do is appreciate it. That's all. Do you see what God what's what's happened? Do you see? I mean, my heart goes out to the nation of Israel. But there again, I don't want to be just as hard headed as they were. And you see, when we get in our brains and so smart and think we know everything, we got this this uh, alt against that one and that alt. I don't know what alt is, but it don't sound good. And if you, if you got all this stuff going on, and we're living in this day, we're living in a time that we can forgive people whether they ask for it or not. Come on, come on, come on. You say, well, how can you say that? Because I'm supposed to invite you into the wedding. Good, bad, and ugly. You, you get it. You see. So we we. If you'll come back next week, I'll show you about about this thing. If you're interested. But it is powerful. That we are living in the most incredible time on this planet. It is incredible. And all of this. There's so much stuff that is given to us to use. And I have great fear we're not using it. I have great fear that God's given us, if nothing else, He's given us this great gift to pass out His invitations. Now, He didn't say you wouldn't lose your life over it. Are you willing? We're going to find out in these days that are ahead of us if we're willing or not. Well, I'm going to leave you hanging right there. But let's stand and let, let's, let's worship the Father. Let's worship the Father for inviting us to His wedding feast. Let, let's worship the Father. And listen, I stand on record today as saying, Lord, thank you for sending me an invitation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lord, thank you for sending me an invitation. You see, and and this whole thing of you see, the enemy has always worked overtime in this uh, in this parentheses that we're living in, on this day of grace. He's been working the the greatest spirit. Uh, some might disagree with him, but I can prove it. The greatest spirit released upon the earth today is the the spirit of rejection. That's the big one. Everybody, nobody in this room's escaped it. Right. And it'll even keep coming back on you. Well, that's the person rejecting me and that person rejected me. That rejected me. That spirit's out there. It's God in us. And the reason the enemy does it is because ultimately, if you think enough people rejected you, you'll think God did too. That's right. And in this whole time, He sent you an invitation. So I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that this spirit of rejection has no place in this house. We agree. That this spirit of rejection is on any of us and all of us. I pray that we be delivered of such a demonic oppression upon the people of God. Yes. Spirit of rejection, we don't like you. We don't want you. You're not in our invitation. You're in our distraction. So distraction be gone. In Jesus' name, and the people of God that agree said, amen Amen and amen.